Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with a promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. I'm joined by Buck Sanders, Greg Barnes. We've got Mike Ingersoll. We've got Jason Staples. We're recording this on Sunday morning, early of course, the Inside Carolina Radio Show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Greg Barnes, I'll go to you first. Some breaking news last night hit on InsideCarolina.com. You and the rest of the Inside Carolina team really put in a ton of work post NC State loss. Tell us what you got. Tell us what you got going forward for North Carolina and Coach Larry Fedora. Well, I think the the timeline is really what's most important. And if you followed the Inside Carolina. Uh, message boards and our intel over this entire season what you find is that coming into the year while a lot of people were upset with how North Carolina finished last season going three and nine and then stumbling there late in 2016 there was a lot of people uh, in, in angst about Larry Fedora and what he needed to do this year and kind of the intel that we had received is you know for the most part he was going to be safe this year and then as the season started even with that loss at ECU that was that really seemed to be the final straw for a lot of fans. Uh, the intel still was, look, there's a big buyout. Um, this is a guy that hung around through the NCAA investigation. When you look at candidates, you may not have an obvious option out there. So the plan was to stick with Larry uh, and maybe make some staff changes, get to next year. And at that point, he would really be on the hot seat. But as we know, the season uh, never really turned around. Larry didn't seem to lose the team, um, but with North Carolina going two and nine and losing yet again to Duke and to NC State, I think this really kind of devolved to a point where uh, administration felt like they needed to to make a change, uh, and so that's that's the intel that we have is that North Carolina uh, is, is will be parting ways with Larry Fedora, and that because we have the the first recruiting period. I mean, I think that's on December 19th. So we're talking about a very short window. I, I think this move very quickly in terms of both finalizing Fedora's situation as well as uh, making sure you have your next coach in place. Buck, certainly after the East Carolina game, uh, a large portion of the fan base, including us uh, as uh, folks that observed the football program, were – ready for some sort of a change. Everybody agreed that it, nothing would happen during the season and that it would likely move pretty quickly after the season, and here we are. Buck, your thoughts on the last 24 hours? Well, um, just to follow up on what Greg said, I think you know he, he pretty much laid out the timeline and you know the thinking as uh, it progressed. Um, I think at a certain point um, – the powers that be in UHC just decided that um, 
the route of hiring coordinators uh, to come in next year and shaking up the staff and that sort of thing just wasn't going to be sufficient to overcome what really was horrible optics inside of Keenan Stadium this year. Uh, now, yesterday's game uh, was cold. It was rainy. It was, uh, you know, hard to imagine a worse uh, game conditions uh, for spectators and the like. But even so, uh, given all those factors, that stadium was, I mean, I don't even know if I could estimate how many people were there. Maybe uh, all at, you know, all in uh, 20,000, 25,000. And in and, and this day and age where football is so important uh, to a football, I mean, so important to an athletic administration, athletic department, they're one of the major drivers of revenue. You, you just cannot have stadiums that are half full or, you know, a little more than half full, you know, a significant number of games during the year. Um, I thought the crowd was pretty good at Virginia Tech, but, uh, and we can get into more of that, you know, as the, this podcast goes on. But uh, I, I think uh, what the powers that be thought about what, how to proceed and you know, their reasoning and rationale was overcome by the, what they saw inside the stadium. So in my opinion, I think that had a great deal to do with it, that um, they just felt like another year with uh, Larry Fedora at Helm wasn't going to move the needle significantly on attendance and season tickets and that sort of thing. And, and, and so they decided to make a, make a choice to move on from Larry Fedora. And I think it's important to note, too, that you – Rumors are part of the deal, right? I mean, speculation is, is what makes message boards go. Uh, but the idea that North Carolina had decided to move on, uh, you know, two months ago, uh, there is no information available that we have that confirms that. Everything we have, like we've talked about, is that the plan was to stick with Fedora and then very late in the game, in the last you know, matter of week or two, really, is when this decision was made. Uh, to, or at least the conversation began as, okay, is this a legitimate possibility that we are going to have to move forward? Follow up on Greg, you know, I, I would mark it uh, from the Duke game. Uh, it seemed to be that the week following the Duke game is when conversations really began to turn uh, in Chapel Hill about uh, what to do following this. I mean, it looked like, People held out hope going into the Duke game. Now, East Carolina, I think, was a turning point for a lot of people. And then, you know, as the season progressed. But once Duke came and went, and then being in Kennedy Stadium last weekend uh, at the Western game, you know, folks made an excuse, yes, Western, who cares about, you know, that type of opponent. Uh, but the weather was perfect uh, last weekend for football. And then you come to the state game. Greg, how much uh, weight – do the powers that be put on that versus performance? You know, it's the famous Mac Brown thing is the Duke game crowd uh, years ago is what upset him so much. But the NC State game made that Duke game look like a, uh, you know, 100,000 100, people crowd. 
So how much does the does the administration see that? I mean, I've never, and Buck and I commented on it, I tweeted several pictures from the bowl lot. I have never seen Keenan Stadium more empty, um, even at some high school championship games uh, that they've hosted over the last few years, as it was. I mean, everybody was concerned that Red was going to take over that stadium. Even the state fans that I um, happen to know and that were there weren't really all that interested in being in Keenan Stadium. That is, to me, seeing it, that has to be a huge part of this decision. Yeah, the, the old saying when, when Mac Brown came to Chapel Hill 30 years ago was that he could sell ice to Eskimos, right? And that's really what this comes down to, is that you have to be able to sell a vision of the future. And you have to be able to see, okay, do the fans see that this thing's going to get turned around? And I think that's kind of the main thing is – while you can talk about the buyout figures, you can talk about you know, what Fedor did during the NCAA investigation, uh, which was no fault of his own by any stretch. Uh, and so you have a lot of these, these things kind of build up in your favor, but yet you have to look forward and you have to have that promise of tomorrow. And I think when you really sit down and start to say, okay, where's this thing going if Larry Fedor comes back? Because the fans aren't showing up, like you say. This is currently in North Carolina is what 62nd uh, nationally in recruiting right now. That's on pace to be the worst recruiting class uh, that I can remember in North Carolina to have. And so you're sitting here saying, okay, well, the fan base, he's lost the fan base. Recruiting is not getting any better. And we know that recruiting has been an issue. Next year's schedule is brutal. So even if they have a great year, I mean, they may go six and six. And now we're having these exact same conversations again. Uh, and so I think it's a matter of understanding, you know, kind of what, where is that tipping point out? And what's it going to take to turn things around versus when do we just cut bait? And I think that's another part of this, Tommy, is uh, the fans operate in such uh, rapid speed now in terms of their opinions. You're not willing to give people time to to make changes and and give people time to kind of get their traction, which is understandable in today's you know, time and world. But, you, we're talking about a team that two years ago was eight and five, and that was a down year, right? A year before that, they're in the ACC championship game. So in, I, don't, I don't think if there's any criticism directed at the the powers that be in the administration, uh, I think that's I think that's off because we're talking about a two year span when this thing really kind of went south, and yet here they are making a, a pretty rapid decision, in my opinion, to go ahead and move on. Buck, you've followed this stuff for a long time. Have you ever seen anything like it? I mean, the speculation rampant, of course, but uh, like Greg said, to go from 11 and one two years ago or, you know, three years ago to gone, I mean, that's in the nature of the beast these days, but it's, it hasn't been the nature of the beast for North Carolina um, as far as coaching changes. But your thoughts on just that, just the the speed at which this is all sort of spiraled out of control. Well, we haven't seen it at UNC under the same coaching staff, but we saw something very similar when Mac Brown left in 97, um, North Carolina finished the season ranked number six in the nation. And uh, he went to Texas Tor- Carl Torbush took over and Beginning that year in 1998, UNC was ranked, I think, 11th 
going into that year. And they had a ton of talent at, back in those days. And um, they lost their first game to Miami of Ohio. And things just kind of went south from there. And it was just a complete dismantling of a program you watched right in front of your eyes. And that was extremely difficult. But that was, you know, a coaching change situation. Um, and and not we've not seen a staff go from where UNC was in 2015 or even 2016 and watch them free fall to where they are in um, in 2018. So, no, we haven't seen it before, not under the same staff, but we've seen something similar. And it, it is a very, very difficult um, process for everybody involved uh, from the, you know, just the average fan on the street to, you know, going up the ladder to however far you want to. It's hard on everybody. Um, and, you know, when you get to the point, there's, there's few options left except we need a fresh start. We need a clean slate. We need hope, somebody that could come in and sell a vision of the program that fans and everybody else involved can buy into. So I, I think that's where UNC ended up. Greg, looking ahead, uh, you mentioned the recruiting deal in mid-December what's next for North Carolina at this point well I think I think what happens now is this thing moves very quickly uh, with with the fact that you have such a short window now uh, with that recruiting cycle because I think a lot of kids are, are are wanting to get that decision made and so when you're talking about I don't know what the percentage was but let's say you know half the half the options off the table by December 19th that really limits what you can do with this recruiting class. And so uh, I think you will see once, once everything is finalized with, with Larry, uh, this will move rapidly and it could be, you know, within the next couple of days, we actually have something finalized with, with the next coach, whoever that may be. Uh, it could extend a little bit further than that, but I would be, I would be shocked if we're sitting here a week from now and there still hasn't been a hire made. Great stuff, Greg. Uh, I know you worked hard. You were in Vegas. You got home. You had to work on this story. It's just, you know, a lot of the, the national media doesn't understand. Uh, they just cherry pick what they want from other websites. And Greg Barnes and certainly Inside Carolina, Buck Sanders, Ben Sherman, and all you guys have certainly put in the work to get this story out there and, and do it in a fair and correct way. So, Greg, I'm going to cut you loose this morning. Um, to let you begin your Sunday, but appreciate all the hard, uh, hard work you've done and all the time you've put into this. Yeah, and I think it's important to say, too, that the unique thing about Inside Carolina is that there is never a time, and I've been doing this for 12 years, there is never a time that it's just one of us that comes up with all this information and rolls with it. We, we have a, a great staff, everybody busts their tail, reaching out to sources, and that's why we've been able to uh, share so much information kind of behind the scenes over the years to make sure that the fans get you know, the accurate information. We've done that time and time again. And I don't say that bragging. I say that just because we have a lot of people that work hard on the staff to get this information out. And this is another example of that. Indeed. Thanks, Greg. You know, I tweeted a lot of people speak a lot about things they don't know about. 
only a few people speak about what they know they know about. Greg Barnes and Inside Carolina certainly one of them. It's a good time to take a break and talk about HeelsTravel.com. They're a valued IC podcast sponsor, and they've received rave reviews for that travel package that they set fans up with the UNC and California game to open the season earlier this fall. And right now, Hills Travel is still selling packages to see Carolina take on Kentucky in the CBS Sports Classic in Chicago on December 22nd. Call 336-855-0060 to book that trip or visit HillsTravel.com and do it online. It includes the round-trip airfare from RDU to Chicago O'Hare Airport, transportation to and from the airport to the hotel, and two-night stay at the Omni Chicago right on Michigan Avenue, right in the middle of Chicago. I've said it before, it's a great place to spend some Christmas holiday time. It is beautiful there. A little cold, but the decorations, the shopping, can't beat it. Carolina basketball team staying at that same hotel too, so it's pretty cool for your family, for your kids if they're with you. Might have a chance to see a Tar Heel up close. The travel, uh, Hills Travel price and inclusions they're offering for the Omni Chicago are less than if you book it directly, and it's a great chance to see the Tar Heels take on a great opponent on a big stage in a great city. Call 336-855-0060 to book or hillstravel.com to do it online. I'm going to bring in Mike Ingersoll and Jason Staples. They've been our go-to guys for expert analysis this year. And I'm going to start with you, Mike, because we talked a little bit off the air. Um, and I mentioned that earlier in the podcast about the fan support. Um, first of all, your thoughts on the last 12, 24 hours um, and, some of, and share some of the fan support things that you saw even yesterday with NC State in town. Well, I, I wasn't surprised to see the attendance down as 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 much as it was mainly because the weather was so bad but i didn't ex- i also never expected to see that stadium full and that is i think that's telling right because i'm i'm somebody who is a you know never say never you need to show up you need to go to the game i don't care that television is more convenient we need people at the game the atmosphere needs to be good i'm one of those people and i wasn't in that camp so much yesterday um i did the radio show with john siegley yesterday at uh, at southern season for wchl and inside carolina and there was nobody in town when i rolled in and i got here uh, i got into the show a little late because of traffic coming up 85 and 40 and i got into town right around 9 a.m but there was nobody driving around there were no flags there was nobody trying to sell tickets there was no real excitement i saw no tailgating nothing and what looked what it looked like to me was a um, it, it was a dead Saturday, almost like there wasn't a football game going on. And I wondered how many people actually knew that there was. And it was very disheartening for me to see that. It was even more disheartening for me to see. I went to Topo with my wife, and we ate lunch. Uh, we didn't have tickets to the game, so we went to go watch it somewhere. And in Topo, which is supposed to be the Carolina bar, there was for the first 10, 15 minutes of that football game. Nothing but red shirts, and I I swear we were the only two, maybe there was one other couple that had Carolina blue on until probably 15 minutes into the game, and then some more Carolina fans came in. But it was dominated by state fans, and that should never be the situation. Um, I was shocked to see how little fan support there was yesterday. Jason, your thoughts on all of this? We've talked a lot over the last last couple years, but especially this season – um, about the effect of losing and, and all on a program. I mean, I think apathy is a heck of a drug. 
for a fan base. And like Mike said, and like we talked about um, yesterday, I mean, I, I've never seen it like that ever. And, uh, you know, NC State was in town. And I think, you know, I asked Greg about it, and certainly fan support's not everything, but it's it's just been bad. And this fan base needs something. Your thoughts on um, how this has moved so far and, and thoughts looking ahead maybe for – you know, a fan base, a program in dire need of an injection of something positive. Yeah, to me, the thing that that just sticks out is just how much momentum in a program can change and how rapidly uh, and how it can be affected by. By 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 luck, to be honest, by by not some of it, you know, there's obviously stuff that has to do with preparation and, and, and all sorts of things and and. Certainly Fedora and his staff uh, are not, uh, they've not done everything perfectly. Uh, But one of the things that stuck out to me is, you know, as, as has been said a couple of years ago, you're, you're in, you're riding high. You're looking at, at, uh, at at one of the best two year runs programs had, you have a, a number two pick in the NFL draft. And then, all of a sudden the bottom falls out partly because you just didn't expect that number, that number two pick in the NFL draft to leave the year he did. And you didn't have a good replacement for him. And then, you know, a few injuries happen and you wind up things spiral and all of a sudden, man, you, you know, you realize that the competitiveness at this level sits on such a razor's edge. It does. You can't guarantee that, since since we're rolling now and we have been for a couple of years, we're going to keep rolling. No, I mean, it is it is really one of those things that that the line between winning and losing is really, really thin in college football. The line between success and not having anyone show up to your game is razor thin. And you can have the same. The same the same group, basically successful, and then all of a sudden the bottom fall out. Uh, it's just so hard to be consistent at this level. And, uh, and, and that's where it's important that nothing is ever left uh, undone, that, that there's always going to be chance involved in, in this game. There's always going to be injuries. There's always going to be uh, you know, early departures, all sorts of things. But that's where the, the, the staffs and so on that are able to be able to sustain consistency are going to be the ones that have the best organization and are best prepared for that uncertainty. And, and they, this staff, there were a few, a few places in which they didn't and uh, they weren't able to finish. And I thought this year was a good, you know, I thought this game was a good summary to the year in that sense that, you know, this is not like this was a disastrous coaching staff or that this team wasn't competitive. It's just that, that the Carolina program the last couple of years just couldn't get over the hump, couldn't win games. And you, if you can't do that, eventually it's going to bite you. And eventually it gets to the place where it's too costly to the program not to fire the people in charge. Uh, and and then the other thing that, you know, I'm always sad when I see staffs that I know work hard and that have good men and, and good families involved that are going to be, you know, those families are going to be uprooted. And and that's something I'm always, I'm always sad about and always want to remind people about 
is that you know these are these are human beings who've worked their tails off and uh you know yeah larry fedora has made a ton of money but the assistants they make good money they make really good money but they're but you know it's not life-changing money in the same way and now those families are going to have to uproot and figure out where they're going to go next and uh and that's that's really difficult so always want to remind people about that as well yeah i agree with that last part i mean it's one thing to want somebody fired or want a new coaching staff or wanting change. It's another thing to openly gloat that it's happened. And I think I've seen that a little bit, um, maybe on the message boards on in the Twitter verse and all, um, everybody wants to win football games. Nobody wants to see the human side of the, the result of not winning football games, but let me bring, and I get off my soapbox because like you said, Jason, they, they make a ton of money. So, um, not too sad in that regard, but there's a lot more people involved than just uh, a head coach or an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. I mean, there's a whole uh, family of individuals that things like this affect. But, Buck, let, let me ask you about um, – let's talk a little bit about this NC State game. Jason mentioned it being sort of a microcosm, and I, I thought – you know, I, I tweeted finish. Jason mentioned tw- finish – there they never could finish the staff never could finish and close the deal and man if a season could sum that up week to week it was this one for North Carolina absolutely I mean if you think about it UNC should have beaten Virginia Tech I mean um, they outplayed Virginia Tech just to be honest about it I mean Often you might hear somebody say that and, and you know, it's questionable as to whether that's true or not, but they, they led in the late in the fourth quarter and then they end up losing by three. And, and the following week they go up to Syracuse and they once again have a, a lead late in the fourth quarter, losing double overtime. Um, even against Georgia Tech, uh, where they lost by 10, they were tied up with the Yellow Jackets, 28 all in the fourth quarter. Um, and and then you go uh, to yesterday's game, and uh, people have pointed and said that this is this entire game was like a microcosm of the entire season, but it's true. You know, they had a lead midway through the fourth quarter by seven, and then they lose in overtime. And – that's four games right there that uh, UNC certainly had winnable games. And when you have that situation happen four times in a season, if you look at it, they win all those games. They're, they're going bowling. They're six and five. Uh, so for that to uh, reoccur game after game after game, it's just um, – disheartening if you lose one game in a in a season like that you know it is you know a heartbreaker and hard to get over and and tough to deal with but then you have four of them in a season and you wonder why people are disheartened well that's it they can't get as jason said can't get over the hump uh, as you said they can't finish but those four games right there, you put them in all in a nutshell, and, and they're the same script played out, you know, the same movie week after week after week, and, and people just don't want to show up to watch that. And whose fault is it? Who cares whose fault it is? It It's not like 
hey, we, we hate this guy and we want him fired, it's that we want to change. I think is if you had to, to get the collective voice of the you know, Tar Heel Nation, that's what they would say. Look, let's – why do we need to even analyze this any further? You know, change is going to be required. we got to do something differently than what we have been doing. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's where all of that comes down – what that comes down to those close losses are just too much to bear. I think for most people, let me pay some bills before I get back to Mike Ingersoll. You're heading to Chapel Hill for a basketball game. Stop by one of Jersey Mike's now five stores in and around the Chapel Hill area. Get that delicious sub sandwich. Use the code Hills 15 and get 15% off that online order. Like I said, it's good for the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations, and it's online only, but it's pretty simple. Go to jerseymikes.com front slash order. It'll show those locations nearest you when you're in the area. Pick your favorite sub, and at checkout, enter the code Hills15 and get 15% off that order. You skip the line, you head straight to the register, grab your food, and you're on your way. Look, app ordering for fast food restaurants is the way to go. It saves so much time, and Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill with their uh, offer here is a great way to get some good food easily, quickly, and in a hurry. JerseyMikes.com front slash order. Enter the code Hills15 when you check out. Do it today. Place that order. Get your great food. You're out the door and on your way. Mike, your thoughts on uh, the – I mean, I agree with Buck. There's nothing more that needs to be said about the fact that change is needed. But your thoughts on – the NC State game. I mean, I haven't talked to you a lot in the last few weeks, uh, but I know as a former player for this team, I know where you're at watching them. Um, I'll admit, we sat in the stadium yesterday with a couple dozen of our good friends watching Carolina, and Carolina's up seven with the ball. And I'd wager that 99.9% uh, of Carolina fan base thought they would lose that football game in some excruciating excruciating fashion and we saw it yeah so I didn't really expect Carolina to number one come back the way they did but I never expected them to really have a shot at winning that game because of what happened early on with the block kick I knew that once that happened state had at least an 80 percent chance of winning that football game because that's how the mathematics work out on that if you score in the kicking game or block a kick in the kicking game even if it doesn't lead to points it's a it's a possession changing event in a in a game and it increases your chances of success to around 80%. Uh and that's obviously up or down from where it was before. It's typically an upward upward movement. Same thing happens with if you win the turnover battle, if you win on third downs, you got to if you win two out of the three phases of the game, your chances to win increase. But if you if you win in the kicking game, meaning you block a kick, you score, those chances increase exponentially. So I didn't have a whole lot of confidence early on once that kick got blocked, everything that happened after that was just entertainment. It was gravy, but I knew something was probably going to happen. I had no confidence in the fact that we were going to hold on to a seven point lead. And that's not an admonition of the kids. And it's not an admonition of the program. It's just reality. That's understanding where we've been and Buck hit the nail on the head. Listen, we've seen too many of these close games. They haven't been able to finish games and win football games the last few years. Um, and, and, you know, that's attributable to, to, to who knows what, right? Jason talked earlier about how you have to be able to do that. And there was, um, you know, we've had that as a recurring issue. We've had recruiting problems, but we had a two-year stretch where we had some of the highest success levels in 
North Carolina football history between 2015 and 2016 with a number two overall pick at quarterback and all this. We didn't replace him, this, that, and the other. But what I'll say is, and this is a position that I've maintained for a while, is that, listen, it no one like everyone's sick and tired of me talking about Butch Davis and that staff and the kids that were on the team. And no, the kids that were on the 2015 team, those seniors, Marquise Williams and the like, that nucleus of players wasn't coached by Butch Davis, but they were recruited by that staff and put into those positions, um, literally the positions on the field. Right? They were playing the positions they were recruited to play, most of which did not play those positions in high school. There was a talent evaluation that took place there, and Fedora's staff did good to keep them in those spots. From that point forward, once that Butch Davis staff and that Butch Davis era was completely and totally phased out after 2015, there was a player development issue in the program. And that's, listen, some coaches are really good at identifying and developing talent, and some just aren't. And that's and that's okay because those coaches are usually good in other areas. They're usually good schematically or something else, which Fedora, which Fedora was. But there was a major uh, talent development issue in this program, and it became glaring in 2016. You should not have a returning stable of offensive NFL talent, all-conference and all-American talent, number two overall pick at quarterback who's having a really good year this year in the NFL. The kid can play. You shouldn't have all of that and a boatload of returning defensive players and still only win eight football games. That should not be happening after winning 11 the year before. You were a better team in 16 than you were in 15. That should not have been happening. So there was a development issue, and that's – and I think fans understood that. They just couldn't figure out exactly what the problem was, but they knew there was a problem. Well, I'm telling you, that was pro- that was it. That was the issue. And you sustain that for two or three years, and this is ultimately going to be the end result. Jason, I'll get your thoughts sort of as we move to the end of this one. I mean, coaching changes um, are always, you know, traumatic for programs, but maybe not for North Carolina given where it is. Uh, your thoughts on how that – you know, that event could help this program get over the hump, so to speak, like we've talked about now for ever since I can remember. <laughs> yeah, a couple things. But one, one thing I do want to mention before we before we, I close out with that is it, this, and this is related to it, is, you know, Buck was talking about how when you lose so many games on the margins, you know, it's just – it's disheartening. Nobody wants to see it. It just, it, it, it changes the, the, the view of the program and all of that. All I have to do is go back to the Syracuse game. And, you know, in our inside Carolina Slack chat, I remember Tommy Carolina was up by, I think two scores with uh, somewhere, I think early in the fourth quarter. And I remember you uh, saying something in the, in the Slack chat, just piping up with wonder, uh, I wonder how they're going to, uh, you know, piddle this one away. And, you know, the, 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 I wonder how they're going to find a way to lose this one. And, I mean, I tell you what, that is that is where things can really change and really be different because when you're saying, here we go again, they got a lead, they're outplaying them, let's, find, let's figure out how they find a way to, to, to lose this one. Well, now you know what kind of mentality surrounding that that program. When fans are saying that, I can guarantee you that when things start going bad, players on that sideline are starting to look around going, I, I hope it's not happening again. Well, that's, that's one thing that can really change. Uh, and, and it's hard when that starts to happen for, for a coaching staff, for a head coach, to turn that around, to turn that mentality around, because belief is so important in this game. You, you look at the Miami team from a couple of years ago, 
they were no better than this year's Miami team. In fact, this year's Miami team might be a little more talented overall, although Amon Richards not being out there uh, it has definitely impacted them on offense. Uh, and it's sad to see him, you know, out, his, his career end due to that, uh, that spine or neck, neck thing that, that he had going on or has. But, um, but you look at that Miami team and they won 10 games because they believed they were good. They believed that they were better than the than than all the teams that they were playing, and they believed that they were a top ten team. And talent wise, they were nowhere near that. They're, they're, again, this is this year's Miami team that that just won their seventh game is basically the same level of talent as that team. But that team got rolling and got to believing that they were what that that they were that kind of top ten, you know, ten eleven win se- season team. And they got rolling and they won all those games on the margin, partly because they just, they, they played fearless and they played like that's that, that, like it was their birthright. And there's something to that. And then eventually, you know, their confidence kind of got broken this year. Their confidence got broken in that, that LSU game to start where LSU was just way more talented and it was obvious. And all of a sudden you could see that team kind of thinking about themselves differently. And it's been a different year for them. What can change for Carolina is if you bring in the right guy who can get those players to really buy in to the extra little things that that make the difference on the margin and can really and can get them to believe that they are uh that they're world beaters then they they could actually turn into something of that until you know it 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 works all well all well and good right up until you run into a Clemson or somebody that's just that much better but there's no reason that that with the right guy in place that the the offensive talent that's on this roster. I mean, we saw, we've seen some real promise from the two young quarterbacks. Uh, There's a ton of talent at the skill positions. There's some talent returning on the offensive line. There's some talent returning on defense. There's no reason that with the right changes, all of a sudden the belief changes a little bit, just a few little things are tweaked on the margins. And suddenly this team believes and is, and, and becomes, a team that wins on the margin and suddenly you see a team that wins, you know, nine or 10 games instead of two games. And I mean, the margins are that close and just a few tweaks and better quarterback play and a little bit more, uh, a little bit more consistency on defense. All of a sudden everything changes. So recruiting wise, that that's the other thing that has to change. Uh, and, and you have to get somebody in who can sell ice to Eskimos, uh, you know, I don't know how politically incorrect that is to say anymore, but well, but either way, that's what you're going for. And uh, uh, you, you need to get that changed so that recruits aren't watching going, well, here goes Carolina again. You got re- you got to get recruits that buy in and say, this is this team is is where I want. This is the kind of program, the environment that I want to be a part of because they, they're going to win. And, and so those are the things that really can change right away. Uh, and that's what Carolina needs to have in terms of its hires, somebody who can instill that. Uh, that belief and then manage those the little things in terms of the organization to be able to put that vision in place and and uh, and have it worked out on the day to day. Good stuff, Jason Buck, the old wise man, closed the show for us. I mean, we've talked a lot and we've stayed away from speculations because uh, there'll be a lot of that over the next uh, few days, few hours. Um, and folks can certainly check out Inside Carolina Message Boards and check out Greg Barnes's re- reporting on what's next from North Carolina. But just uh, 
sort of wrap it all up for us? It's been just a crazy past two seasons. Um, things are going to change. Change may be good. Change may be bad, but it will be change. Buck, your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, you know, I think as far as wrapping up the last two years, we've, we've plucked all the feathers off of that turkey already. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I would rather talk about moving forward what I expect to see. And, you know, I do think that North Carolina, as Greg suggested and, and is uh, thinking, um, will move quickly um, in, in the coaching search. I don't expect this to be a long, drawn-out coaching search. Um, uh, and at this point, let's keep in mind that Larry Fedor has not, quote, unquote, officially been fired. And once that happens and once the announcement is made, um, there are a bunch of coaches that are going to throw their hat in the ring. And and some already have. Uh, behind the scenes, there have been coaches and agents and, uh, you know, people working on their behalf, uh, you know, taking the blood pressure of uh, Buddy, Bubba Cunningham and other people, um, you know, connected with <clears throat> making that decision at UNC. And once, you know, the, you know, the bloom is fully off the rose and, you know, Fedora is no longer employed at UNC, you know, things could change. You know, things could change quickly in terms of who's the favorite, who's, you know, what the board looks like. Uh, you know, uh, things could move um, in a direction that we can't anticipate right now. So as far as knowing exactly what's going to happen in the next uh, three, four days or, you know, the coming week or so, I don't think any of us know that. Uh, and, and if you think you know that, you probably don't. Um, obviously, there are some names out there that are going to get attention and that uh, you know are going to get brought up. But for me, I'm going to see how it plays out behind the scenes. You know, people could get involved that, um, you know, nobody anticipated would get involved. So we'll just see how that plays out. But um, definitely the thing that has to be done is that it has to be the next coach and his staff, and not just him, but his entire staff, has to be able to get out there and win back the fans, provide them hope, uh, tell them this is how we're going to do it. And this is the approach we're going to take. Stick with us. We're going to make this happen. Uh, just bear with us. Uh, we've got things to do. We've got uh, items within the program uh, to deal with. We've got the recruiting trail to deal with. So, you know, just hang in there with us and, and we're going to, right the ship and, and it has to be somebody that can sell that and, and uh jason if if that involves somebody that can sell ice to um, norwegians then you know that's that's the approach they need to take so um i, I think the pr uh, potential of the next staff is going to be critically important um, in the next uh, year and two years and down the road for UNC. Good stuff, Buck. Appreciate it, Jason and Mike. Special thanks to Greg Barnes who joined us earlier. Greg, of course, pinned the story late last night that there would be a coaching change imminent at North Carolina. Two and nine seasons tend to do that 
course, follow everything at InsideCarolina.com's message boards. The Tar Pit Premium Board will be hopping with all the latest rumors and speculation. Of course, Greg and the rest of the Inside Carolina crew will give you the facts. Uh, we'll be back here to talk about it a plenty in the coming days and weeks as North Carolina football moves into the offseason in a different direction. Buck, Jason, Mike, thanks for joining me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.